Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast, where our goal is to explore biblical worldview and servant leadership to equip you for everyday influence. Here's your host, author and director of cultural engagement, Jonathan Morrow. How do we reclaim the values that allow our families and future generations to flourish? Well, that is the great topic we get to talk about today. Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast. Uh, my guest today is Trudy Kathy White, um, is native Georgian, as you know, the only daughter of Jeanette and Truett Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. Um, you know her as the co-founder of Impact 360 with John, her husband, and just the many things that are involved in that. She's written several books. We've talked about several times on the podcast before. Uh, they've served as missionaries in Brazil. Uh, they co-founded LifeShape. Um, she is a developer and encourager at heart. I've got to see that um, really up, up front and, and close in her work here and so grateful that she has written a brand new book uh, talking about a legacy and why that matters. We're going to talk about that, that today. So Trudy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and uh, it's a delight to have you on. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. What a joy to be with you today. Well, wonderful. You know, you've written um, several different books, and um, and I know as you shared before, I don't know that you ever set out to write books before in one in one in one part, right? But you, uh, this new book, a legacy that lasts. Why did you choose to write this book now, and why that? Why is that important to you? Yeah, well, this all came about probably when my mom and dad were coming to the end of their life. My my dad passed away in 2014 at the age of 93. Just 10 months later, my mom passed away at the age of 92 in 2015. And being the only daughter in the family, I was left to kind of go through their home, which they lived in for 57 years. So they left a lot of stuff, a lot of things to, to go through. But And it took quite a while to, to do that. Some things I found made me chuckle. Some things I would find in their home that would make me cry. But at the end of the day, after it was all said and done and cleaned through, what I realized that they left of most value uh, to, to me and to our family was actually their legacy. And they got me thinking about this idea that the, li- the legacy we leave is actually the life we live right now. And so this idea of what does it look like to live a legacy? I think deep in the heart of all of us that we want to live in such a way that our influence carries on to the next generation. But if we really want to do that, we're going to have to be pretty intentional about it. So my inspiration to write this book was really just to see, could I put down some things that are very practical in this book that would help people to be able to, first of all, just identify your values, things that are important to you in life. And then how can you preserve those and literally transfer those to the next generation so that we can really make the most of every opportunity, as Paul talks about in Ephesians. So that's really been the beginning of this book and why it was written. And my prayer is that it really is a uh, a tool, a resource for people to really get intentional about living their legacy. Yeah, that's awesome. And I wholeheartedly agree. And I want to encourage everyone listening to the podcast, even as we get into it, there's appendices in the back that have a lot of practical helps. We'll talk about that. It's a very accessible, actionable book, as well as inspirational and equipping. So I think you've done a fabulous job writing it. But I want to talk about a couple of places where you begin, where you talk about mentioning that teenagers are wrestling with three big questions and that it's really important to be aware of those. So what are those questions and why did you feel it was important to kind of frame some of what we're talking about with that? 
Yeah, so I start by talking about, you know, this next generation. And even people like us, Jonathan, we wrestle with these questions from time to time in our life. One of the questions that we wrestle with is just, you know, who are we? This, this is this idea of identity. And, um, and we, we go to the Bible for answers to some of these questions, most definitely. So the first question is, who am I? The second question might be, you know, you know, am I accepted? Where do I really belong? Do I really fit in? These are things that we struggle with as life goes on. And then the big question I think we all certainly stop and ask ourselves is, you know, why am I really here? What is my purpose for life? And so I like to start at this point because these are foundational. These are, to me, our fundamental questions that we all ask. And interestingly enough, the Bible addresses answers to all of these for, for all of us. It references so many times that we were made in God's image. That's who created us. Because he created us, we, bel- we belong to him. And this idea of trying to figure out, well, why am I really here in the first place? You know, so many times throughout the Bible, it makes it very clear that God has a wonderful plan for our life. Uh, he has a plan that gives us peace and to gives us hope and gives us a future. And so if we can get the fundamental, the, the basics down right, that is kind of the beginning or the launch pad for us being able to live out our legacy so that it impacts other people around us in a way that it actually lasts. Absolutely. And I, I can really resonate with those three questions, obviously, you know, with, with our work with Impact 360 and all the students that come through here annually they're asking those questions. Identity is a massive question for this generation mm-hmm. and our culture is just normalizing a lot of different ways to think about and ask, ask and answer that question that don't lead to flourishing in life. And so it's so vital to think about purpose. I know I saw one recent study where just the amount of feelings of purposelessness and loneliness are just really an unprecedented right now. And so I think it's exactly spot on to be talking about why it's important that these matter, but especially for this generation. So I think I think parents listening to this, I think grandparents listening to this, mentors, teachers, whoever is investing in the next generation, these are these are foundational questions. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, you know, are there values that um instilled in Chick-fil-A that are similar to the ones you teach um in the family? Like like what like what how does that kind of play together for you? And I know obviously with your story, those kind of interact in a in a special way. So what does that kind of look like? Yeah, you know, most definitely going back to this question of, you know, why, why am I here? What do I, what do I exist for? You know, we even asked that in the business world. We asked that in Chick-fil-A quite a few years ago. We actually pushed pause for a couple of days and our leadership went together and we began to ask, you know, why are we really even in business at Chick-fil-A? It's so important that we all understand that it gives us a sense of focus and purpose for us at Chick-fil-A. Uh, we understand that our purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And when you get that kind of clarity about your purpose, it gives you clarity about your priorities and what's important to you. So when we think about our legacy and how we pass values down from generation to generation, I go back and look at my mom and dad. I go back and look at Chick-fil-A and I think, okay, what are some of the things that really matter in the business that really matter to my mom and dad, one that stands out to me would just to, to honor God, to honor God with our lives and to honor God with what we have. I saw that lived out in my mom and dad's life. I know that at Chick-fil-A, we talk a lot about being really good stewards of what we have. A steward is simply managing the things that God has entrusted to us. And I was brought up to believe, and the Bible teaches that God owns everything. So we have to learn how to manage everything that we have. 
We have to learn how to manage our time, to learn how to manage our resources, learn how to manage our, our even influence that we can have with other people and even talents that God uh, has given us. So that's one value I would say that is evident from my parents that have been passed to the business as well. A second, I would say would probably be just this concept of being generous, uh, to be generous with what we have, to be able to share what we have with others. Uh, we make really good decisions when we steward well what God has given us and when we look more at what other people need uh, and less at what we actually need. I think I was a teenager when my dad told me, and I probably really needed to hear it. He said, Trudy, if you'll help other people get what they need in life, you'll eventually get what you want out of life. And it is that same philosophy that Jesus often talked. He said, it's better to give than to receive. And so I saw my parents being extremely generous with not only the things they had, but with, with the time that they had to just invest in, in relationships with other people. And we do that at Chick-fil-A quite a bit. Of course, we've got a lot of customers we take care of, team members that we're investing in, but being generous with being able to take what we have and share that with others. And I guess, Jonathan, I would say another value that has been very evident to me in my parents' life and what we try to uh, live out through our business at Chick-fil-A is just a life of integrity uh, to be people that give us a platform to be able to have a positive influence on others because it, uh, it's so important that we people can trust us and know that uh, we are the same person no matter who we're with, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. That is what integrity uh, is all about. So those are just a handful, I guess, I would say of values that certainly are evident in the business and most definitely were evident in the lives of my parents. Yeah, that's I and I've I've seen that and I've been so encouraged and challenged by by watching that, you know, bringing it a little closer to home and in your family. I know uh, you and John are very intentional. Can you share a little bit about and I know you talk a little bit about this in the book, but how how have had uh, having clearly defined values really helped you in the way that you kind of make decisions even and just talk about like what at a practical level, you know, as people are listening to this, like, OK, how is how's that played out for you of, of defining some of these values that we'll talk about here in a minute? Yeah, well, so let's take one of our values that John and I have uh, identified, and that is the value of, of family. Uh, we, we really value family. And so one of the things that John and I do, we every year during our anniversary, we get away for a few days and we do a calendar check. Uh, we look over our calendar for the rest of the year and into the next year, and we block out intentional time that we're going to spend with our family, for our family. Our, we have a large family, so there's a lot going on, so we have to be very careful how we structure that. But, it, but because family is important to us, we try to make it a priority that we've got time to be able to put it out. So if you were to look at my calendar, you would see lots of orange spaces. And I use the color orange to alert me that these are family things that are going on. And, and that's just really the way all these values work, that once you identify them, they're the things that matter most to you, then you let those values drive your decision-making process. And it really helps keep things in, in priority. It's been super helpful for us to have that kind of clarity uh, around that particular value for sure. Yeah, no, that that's a wonderful thing. And I love the orange thing like that as well. And we'll talk into some, as we go, some practical tips and things that you picked up along the way to kind of help kind of build these in to everyday life. But just at a general level, why would you say if someone's listening to mom or dad, a grandparent, why is it important for families to define and display uh, these values, like both of those things? Like what, what does that do? 
Yeah, well, I, I, I think one of the first things it does, it just really sets up um, a firm foundation, particularly for parents that are raising children. Uh, children want to know what's important to mom and dad, and mom and dad need to live that out so that it can be identified. And then as children come along, you can help them to know what is important to them. We have to be people of convictions. We have to have values. We have to base our decisions on those things that really matter. One of the questions I often ask people when I'm, I'm, I'm with a group, I, you know, I ask them, you know, what matters to you and what values drive your decision-making process? But I also ask this question. I ask them, what values do other people see in your life? So it's kind of interesting. Sometimes we think we know what's important to us, but if we are not living in such a way that other people can notice that in our lives, then oftentimes we need to check, check ourselves out because this is foundational for us to understand um, our, our values. But here's the other thing that John and I have found in, in raising our family and just really a doing life that is important about values that it helps get you through the difficult times of life. And we're all going to face them. You know, adversity is part of, um, uh, of our walk here on earth. And when crisis comes, it's really not the time to start thinking about, okay, what's really important here. I remember when, um, when John went in and he was diagnosed with cancer uh, which happened twice, actually. Um, and I remember sitting in that office, and the doctor said, you know, you have cancer, and here's the, here's the, here's the plan going forward. And at that moment, I already knew a strong value for me was my faith, that my, I, I trust that God is always in control. And at that moment, I leaned heavily into my faith and realized, okay, God, this is out of my control. I'm going to have to trust you. Uh, to see what this journey is going to look like. And I, I'll be honest, it was a, a difficult time for us, a time of crisis. But because I knew that my faith was important, I had to trust that God would take care of us and meet us at our point of need uh, always. And I, I really do think just when you understand what matters to you or what are your values, we would uh, say it helps you to kind of keep focused. Uh, you don't get distracted what everybody else is doing. I, I'm a person that has a hard time Sometimes saying no, I'm, I'm a yes person. I want to jump in and help anybody, anytime, uh, anywhere, but I can't do that all the time. And there are a lot of great things I can get involved in, but I have to learn how to say no to some things uh, so that it kind of focus, focus on the most important things. So understanding values really help us to stay very focused and intentional with our life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are, I mean, obviously moments of crisis, it brings clarity, brings alignment, brings a check to our own. It's like, okay, if I say this matters to me, am I actually living like this matters to me? I think that's a very important uh, question, you know, and there's probably lots of different kinds of people at different stages of life listening to this podcast right now. Uh, maybe, maybe some young moms and dads who have some infants or toddlers running around, right? So they got a long time to kind of build this out and frame this, which is exciting. But what might you say to somebody who maybe is, maybe their kids are already grown there. Maybe they're already they're like, Oh man, I missed the opportunity maybe to do this. Or did I like, what would you, what would you say to that, um, that person who's thinking, okay, is it too late for me to even begin this process? Maybe it's, maybe our, our kids are already teenagers. Maybe we're already kind of in a later stage of this thing. How do we pass on family values? I guess, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's such a, such a great question. And I, the first thing I would say right off the, the bat is to say, it is never, never too late. Let me just tell you how this all came about for John and myself. We actually, when our, uh, our children became adults, young married, and starting to have children, we, we pulled away once a weekend, once a, once a year, to spend a weekend with our, our grown children. And 
along the way somewhere, John and I began to think about, I want our children know what's really important to them. And we started having these discussions about values. And we started pushing really hard for our children to think about this seriously and identify, maybe you could whittle this down to maybe four or five words that are just, these are the five things that are really important uh, to you. And we just were encouraged our children to do that. And they were phenomenal with it. They worked really hard. They um, worked through a, a whole list of words and tried to think, okay, what really is important to us as a family and now as we're raising children? And they begin to identify those so well and be, we begin to talk about them. And then they looked at us and they said, well, mom and dad, um, what are y'all's values? And John and I kind of looked at each other really because we thought, well, I don't know that we've ever really clearly defined them. Hmm. So whereas for our children, they were looking towards the future. What what were they going to go ahead and drive a stake in the ground about that was going to be important to them going forward? For John and myself, we actually had to look back over experiences that God has given us uh, through life. And we begin to realize where, where were our passions? Where were the things that we chose to invest in? What, what became important to, to us? over these years. And then we identified them from that way. We, we actually identified five. For us, these are what our family uh, values have been. Our faith has been one. Our family, which I just talked about earlier, integrity is so important to us. Generosity and gratitude. So those are the five that John and I identified. So we were, we were already well into our married years before we really actually pinned those and wrote them down and solidified them. But our children could testify that they had seen those things in our life in the years of their uh, growing up as well. So never too late to identify them and certainly never too late to make adjustments. No, that's so encouraging. Cause I mean, even as I hear about that, I'm like, okay, there's things that we've been intentional about um, that we've shared, but then there's other things, you know, it's, I wonder if we've made it that clear for our own kids, you know, it's like, all right, so, right. so it's a good, good reminder for me. So I'm, I'm excited about for us to apply some of these things in some real time and solidify some of these yeah. things, which is fun. Um, I'm excited about doing that. You know, one of the things that you talk about um, at, at you already kind of shared kind of your family values in that, but mm-hmm. um what are some ways, let's just make this really, sometimes it can be overwhelming, right? I mean, there's so much, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's kind of right. like this. It's like, what's your favorite part of the Bible? Well, it's all good. There's tons of great principles. Things <laughs> yeah. are true. It's like, what's your favorite verse? You know, there's, so even, even um, picking like, where do, where do you start? So give some encouragement and clarity about how would somebody just begin this process? I know you've talked about this in your, your book, it's called a legacy that lasts and we'll have links to it and everybody can check it out and, and get a copy. And that way it helps you with some of these things, but how would you start? Well, for us, I put it in the book. I started with, I, I put it in the book, the whole list that we started with. So we started with this massive list of, uh, of words that people can relate to and identify. And you begin to, to look at that list and say, uh, this is important, but this isn't that important. This may be important. This is not so important. You kind of have to um, kind of almost make, make piles of things that are, this is, this is most important to me. This is sort of important. This is not important. What we've always encouraged people to do is get it down to where there's a manageable size list. For us, it was the you know, five. There's no secret around. Uh, that's not a magic number. It's, you know, four, it might be four values your family might have. Maybe there's six values, but, but the idea is to get it down to where they're very manageable. And then you can begin to put them um, into practice. And the great thing about it, I put this whole exercise uh, in the book that anybody can walk through. You can do this for your own personal life to determine your values. You can do it collectively as a family. I know some um, friends of mine who have taken their younger children and they've all sat together, done this exercise together. What really is important for us 
uh, as a family. You could do this with uh, with your 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 life group, your small group, and decide what collectively, uh, as a community together, is going to be important to us uh, that we're going to focus on and strive to. And particularly if you're working with young people, what a wonderful exercise uh, to use with them. We actually do this with our 13 year old um, and above grandchildren. Uh, every year we sit down with them. We have these little flashcards. We put them all out on the table and we let them put them in different piles to determine which one is most important to them. And so they're already trying to identify what values they have. Now I would say that when you're 13, 14 or 15, you may be able to come up with a list, but I think those will change a little bit over the years. But by the time you're in your early 20s, I think those begin to solidify. And those are the things you um, begin to really focus in on. At least that's what we're kind of observing that's happening with our grandchildren for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I love it. I'd, I'd love to kind of it's see it probably really fun to watch the change of some of those values. Like, well, I put I'd put that stack in there or put that in stack when I was 14, but mm, 17, that's gonna look a little different. 19, 21. So what a great way to model and encourage their ownership in that process, which is which is vital, um, vital mm-hmm. in this process, right? Um, you know, one of the things that you talk about as a as a value of your family is integrity. Um, and in the book, you say broken promises are the number one cause of bitterness in the lives of children. Why, why did you uh, kind of phrase it that way? Can you kind of unpack that a little bit of why, that, why that's important? Yeah, well, first of all, just thinking about how we define integrity for me very simply is, you know, it's doing what we say we're going to do, doing the right thing for the right, right reason. And I think that I look back on my childhood and I look at my mom and dad's life and they were definitely people of integrity. I, I could I could be just anywhere with my dad, whether I was sitting at the kitchen table with him, maybe I was at the office at our, our support center in Atlanta, maybe he was meeting with a lot of other uh, business executives, maybe I would be on the private jet with him and we would go somewhere for a meeting in D.C., Wherever I went with my dad, he was always the same. There was this consistent nature about him that was a a person of integrity. I could could count on him being the same person all the time. He didn't have to put put up a front when he was with other people. So I appreciate that so much, first of all, in his life. But what I realized happened in that relationship with him, I could really trust my dad when I knew that I, I knew the kind of character that he had, I knew the kind of per- person that he would be. Same with my mom as well. And what happens with children, I believe, is when parents act one way when they're at home and they act a little different when they're somewhere else. There's a cute little joke about a family that goes to church with their children. And on the way out of church, the children looked at the uh, one of the little, the little girl in the family looked at the pastor and kind of tugged on his coat jacket and said, could we, could our family just move in and live here at church? And the pastor said, well, why would you want to live here at church? And said, well, my mom and dad act so much better at church than they do at home. Now, those are people that (laughs) are not people of integrity for sure. But I think when, um, when there's that brokenness in how we react and our attitudes and our behaviors, uh, there's a lack of trust that happens in children. When broken promises happen, um, that relationship is is really strained. I, I see so many parents that will make a promise to their parents and say, okay, if you'll do this, I'll do that for you. And then they don't follow through with that. And children begin to pull away from their parents because they just can't t- trust them. And whenever trust is broken, it begins to weaken our opportunity of influence for sure. Uh, so it's really important that we are consistent in how we live our life. No, that, that's great. That's great. And so I'm, even just thinking about that, that's a, that's a good word, a challenging word. Let's say, I mean, 
we've all been there maybe where we haven't done that. How, how might we regain some of that trust? Just practically like, let's say a mom or a dad or a grandparent, it's like, Oh, mm. how would you counsel them to kind of build some of that trust back? Uh, Well, first of all, we've all been there, right? And so um, I I think one of the things I learned early on as a parent is learning to say, I'm sorry to my children, uh, to recognize the fact they don't have a perfect mom and dad. And when I make mistakes and I catch myself and I realize that, first of all, ask forgiveness from the Lord, but certainly ask forgiveness from your children to say, you know, mom, mom shouldn't have spoken that way. Mother didn't follow through what she said she was going to do. And I want you to know that I'm sorry that I didn't do that. And I want you to know that going forward, my intent is always to allow you to be able to trust in me so that there isn't that um, feeling of bitterness, I guess, towards each, each, each other, because your word, your word has, has no value at all if your actions don't back it up. And so those have to go hand in hand. So I think asking for forgiveness and even ask children to check. I, I don't think there's a thing wrong with, um, with asking children. We want to hold our own children accountable. We ask our children sometimes to hold us accountable to the things that we say we want to do in life. And I think, Jonathan, you have a, a terrific definition of, of faith. And it's talked about an active trust in something you have reasonable, reasonable belief um, is true. And I think that, in a particularly in a parent-child relationship, you want that. You want children to be able to trust their parents. They have a reasonable um, belief that what their mom and dad say is going to be true. It's going to happen. Mm. No, that's a good word. It's encouraging. Yeah, it's just the times where I'm like, I'm sorry, I own that. Yeah. And, uh, please forgive me yeah. for that. And and that, yeah, that's that's huge. That's huge because we want to have integrity, and so that. It can't just be something on a wall. And that's honestly one of the things I really appreciate about you. I appreciate that about John. But talk about it. You talk about different examples in the book, how you how you make it so that when we do these things, when we come up with these values, five, three, seven, whatever we're going to come up with, how do we keep them from just being something we put on a wall somewhere or we put on a piece of paper and put it in a drawer and apply them practically in everyday life? You share some different stories. Does one or two kind of come to mind how you've kind of practically kind of kind of put these into action? Well, here's a unique one that John and I started in, in recent years. Um, one, of our, one of our values is gratitude, that we would have a heart of, uh, of gratitude, gratefulness for um, things we have, but particularly for relationships that we have with others. And John and I get quite a stack of Christmas cards uh, every year from friends, and we absolutely love getting them. But oftentimes they come right at the busiest time at the end of the year, a lot of things going on. And so we actually just take those Christmas cards and we uh, we stack them up and uh, uh, put them in a special basket. And every evening when John and I uh, eat together, we will pull um, six or eight of those cards and we will look through them. And then we would just pause and we would pray um, by name for each of those people that we have gotten those cards from and just thank the Lord for the relationship because some of these are our friends that you know how you get Christmas cards from people that you haven't seen in years and we mm-hmm. might never see them again. Uh, the fact that John and I did a lot of international travel, we have friends of, around the world and, and we'll hear from uh, just one time a year at Christmas time, but it is that time that we can definitely pause and, and pray for them and just thank the Lord that our lives intersected with these other people and what we've learned and taken away from them because those relationships are very rich and meaningful uh, to us. And so just that is the one little very small practical way that we put that value of just learning to be grateful and we put it in practice on a regular basis. Sometimes it'll take us a couple of months to get through all of our, our Christmas cards. We'll take it slow and we'll take our time to pray for 
for our friends, but we're so grateful to the Lord for um, connections with people. And the Christmas cards are a way to allow us to be able to express that gratitude back to the Lord. Yeah. What a beautiful example. I mean, that's, and it's super actionable, right? It's just something, okay, I'm going to take this as a prompt for later. You know, it's not, it's not as though you can't just look at a Christmas card during December, right? I mean, there's, I mean, you can take it with you. So that's, (laughs) it's a very practical thing. And, and I, and I love the timing, even when we get to record this, this podcast, I know your book is launching uh, right now in January. And, and that's always a time for a new year and new, new possibilities, new hope, and maybe a fresh start. So even as we think through these things, I think hopefully people are encouraged to to just take a step and pause a little bit and go, okay, what what matters to us and why? And how can we make that more visible in our family's life to pass these things that matter to us on? And I, I love that. Um, I love that. And so, you know, obviously one of the joys of of that is is kind of spending time with your children and grandchildren. But how have they inspired you to kind of be even more passionate about um kind of defining and talking about and passing on uh, these values? Like what's any, any things come to mind that just kind of in those daily interactions and monthly interactions? Well, it's, it's, it's a real joy to, to be with them, just spending time together with them and watching what's going on in their life and, and how they're, um, how they're growing in so many different ways that that's inspiring to us. And it allows us to, it challenges us to, 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 be more intentional about our time that we spend with them. I'll, I'll give you one illustration. I'm pretty sure I put this in my book, but um, our oldest granddaughter a couple of years ago was on the homecoming court at her, at her high school. And afterwards, after she was recognized on the field and she came off to the sidelines, a lot of the family and a lot of friends were around and giving her a hug and telling her how excited and congratulating her and, uh, one of the gentlemen that gave her a hug happened to be the local Chick-fil-A operator uh, in the town there uh, where she went to school. And one of the school teachers uh, saw the Chick-fil-A operator giving her a hug and congratulating her. And so the next day at school, the, uh, the teacher asked um, Ashlyn, she said, how, how do you know that Chick-fil-A operator? And she said, I saw him, you know, congratulating you and everything. And she said, oh, well, he actually is my, uh, he's my uncle. And she said, what, he's your uncle? And this teacher had no idea that uh, our granddaughter was connected at all with the Kathy family, uh, much less with the Chick-fil-A family. And she was really shocked. And, and she said, Ashlyn, you've been in my classroom all these months, I had no idea. And the teacher was so uh, amazed by it that she um, contacted um, Ashlyn's mom and dad, our oldest daughter, and just kind of told her, said, you know, what a testimony to see your granddaughter uh, care more about being who she is um, and less about you know, who she's connected with as a family. So most children would start there, but Ashlyn certain, certainly didn't. When I see things like that happening in their lives, it really um, encourages us in a way to be more passionate about um, being an example, because here's, here's what I believe. I believe that we um, are, are the things that we do are more caught than taught. So we have to be intentional about realizing that we're setting an example for others. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. What a beautiful story. And uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, <laughs> knowing her that that's a beautiful thing. And so I love that because those are there's there's they're getting it and they're and they're they're applying yeah. it. And that's so fun to see. I mean, I, I love the phrase you said, even as we began the legacy you leave then, which is later is the life you're living now. And so yeah. we can't wait to well, someday I'm gonna start living for a legacy. And I was like, well, 
it's it's happening now's the time. So, <laughs> now, right. now's, now's the time well one of the fun things that you talk about in your book but also that you have the deep joy of doing and i've heard lots of fun things and stories about is is camp Meepaw, right you you get a chance to <laughs> yep. to invest as as a grandparent um into um the lives of your grandchildren and different things just share a little bit about that and i know one of the cool things for those listening in in one of the back in the back of the book there's kind of some different tools and ways of checklists of maybe how to take some of this and make it your own and do it in different ways which i love it's super practical but maybe talk and give a little vision for why you would take the time uh, to do that as a, as a grandparent yeah there's something that i kind of coined as value experiences. These are experiences that we create for people around us that really add value. And honestly, when we understand our values, oftentimes they um, they drive what traditions kind of come into our lives. And for John and I, something very important to us, again, is family and spending time with this next generation with our grandchildren. So I was a director of, uh, of camps for, for about 13 years and really enjoyed that. I had to step aside from it. So I have this kind of camp mindset anyway, love to plan games and organize groups of activities. And John and I thought, we've got so many grandchildren. We could almost run our own little camp. And we decided to invite all of our grandchildren over. We spend a long week with them, weekend with them every summer and they love it. They all come to the house and we, um, we let them sign up for camp online, almost like you were if you were going to do a real real camp. But the most important thing is uh, all the, the grandchildren come and spend the time with us. We call it Camp Mipa because I'm Mimi, John's Papa. And we just pack those days full of fun things to do with our children. Now, a lot of parents often think that you can buy a special gift for their child and they'll always remember. But we all know that you either outgrow your gift, you lose your gift, or you break your gift, or, or whatever. Gifts just don't always last, but experiences uh, last forever because they're, they create memories. So we create some incredible memories with our grandchildren just doing simple things. We have Bible devotions together. We'll sing songs together. We let them help me in the kitchen to um, set the table and, and help us with the meals that we cook together. We play field games out in the yard uh, we have a pool at our home, so they all get to swim. We'll go fishing at the pond together. It, it's just this idea of being together and spending time uh, laughing, praying, uh, enjoying one another. It's one of our most fondest memories of things that we do every year with the children. Anybody can do that. It's just a matter of investing your time and getting really intentional about what you want to do with this next generation. No, that's, that's wonderful. And it's in everyone can, can do that. Right. And in, in whatever yeah. form and in, in applying this principle, whatever scope, whatever scale, however many number of grandkids you have, whatever. I mean, so it's just the, the it's like, what can I do to create a shared experience where we can be together that creates a memory that, that, that allows some of these things to take, take hold and just be together. Uh, I love it. It's a beautiful thing. You know, what would be one, um, you know, as we think about this, I'm just thinking about moms or dads or grandparents or mentors listening to this. Are there any other just little day-to-day simple little tips or tricks or just practical things that maybe a prompt, maybe a habit, maybe a uh, a tool that you use? I mean, it could be anything. I don't know what it is. Maybe offer one or two things just that have helped you in your everyday kind of implementation of trying to to pass these values on in your life. Yeah, well, since we're in the season of uh, adult children and having a lot of a lot of grandchildren, my mind often goes to to grandchildren. We can apply this uh, probably most anywhere. But uh, the first tip that came to my mind was 
Um, oftentimes I can't, maybe grandchildren or maybe you have family that are distant and spread out. And oftentimes that I can't be with all of our grandchildren for all their events at all times, I, I take advantage of technology. So oftentimes I can send their parents a text. If, if the grandchildren are still young and don't have a phone, which is probably a good thing they don't, I can send a text to the parents and say, you know, I, I can send it to the to the children and say, I know you've got a basketball game coming up tomorrow. I can't be there, but just want you to not pray for you. And I, I hope you'll do your best. And just little messages like that, you can drop off. You can uh, text very quickly and get those to the children or to friends. Um, also, I will write notes to our grandchildren on a regular basis. A lot of times when uh, I got this, we're going out of the Christmas season, I had a chance to go and be at some of their recitals uh, for music, for dance, for different things. And I just sat down afterwards and wrote a note to encourage them. And said, well, you, God has really given you a, a talent in this area, and I pray you'll always use it uh, to honor the Lord. And thanks for inviting me to, to come to your recital and how much I enjoyed being with you. Those are treasures and things that we can do. Uh, they don't take very long, but you know, even just handwritten notes are something we, we don't think of very often uh, this day and time. But I, I feel like the children, our grandchildren, will, will value those when, when they get them, and they will really you know, mean a lot to them. So they're... There are a lot of little things that we can do that make a big difference. In fact, it's probably the small things that make the better, the greater difference uh, than big things. It doesn't cost you a little time. It doesn't necessarily cost you much money, though. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great idea, and I think all of us can apply it. Right? We can always send the notes and the text. We can, you know, comment on a picture. We can send that. You know, I th- I love that, and I think. You know, words are powerful, right? The proverb says, you know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And there's a, where you use, use words, so everybody needs encouragement, right? So, I mean, I think that's a beautiful yeah, that's right. way to to reinforce and just, hey, I'm present with you, even though I can't be physically there. I think that's a, that's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing. You know, one of the things that I think is just really, really exciting to also talk about, um, which I think fits one of your values, which, um, you know, one of the cool things about this book, um, A Legacy That Lasts, is that all proceeds of this book uh, will go to Impact 360 Institute Legacy Fund. Uh, could you share a little bit more about that and why uh, why you chose to do that and what that is for people who are listening? Yes. Well, something that John and I um, are so blessed to be able to do is to be able to leverage our influence in the lives of young boys and girls, um, young men and women who are between the ages of 18 and 20 that have an opportunity to come and be a part of uh, Impact 360 Institute that we founded back in 2000. Uh, six, the focus there at that program is is to know God more deeply, to be transformed in the, the, the character of being more like Christ, and to live out a life purpose that really changes the world around them. So, uh, of course, you're connected with Impact 360. You understand exactly what this program is about, but we love the opportunity. But if you pick up this book and buy it, the proceeds are going to go directly to help scholarship and offset the cost for students. There's so many around uh, that we want to be able to cultivate them to be followers of Jesus. And um, this allows some students to come and be a part of this nine-month uh, gap year program that really lays a firm foundation for them as well before we launch them into the world, before they head into college. Uh, that often allows them to be really world changers uh, wherever God takes them, that they too will be intentional with their influence wherever they go. Yeah, and I just I just want to thank you for that. And, and as you know, directing the fellows for a season, just seeing students come through, I teach in it and just like, yeah, you wouldn't be here without somebody else's investment in your life. And God is using them. I was, we were just at our three initiative retreat, which is for our college students who have gone through the fellows and they're on their campuses and 
they're making disciples and using their giftedness and living out their calling. And it's so fun. It's like, well, yeah, everybody's a part of that. So thank you for embodying that value of generosity and, and putting that on display and, and serving um, and really embodying that so well. So thanks for doing that. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that really motivates John and myself, there's a, uh, a verse in, in third John that says, I find no greater joy than to see um, in my circle of influence, especially my own children that are living out their values and walking uh, in God's truth. And we say that about our own children, but we say it also about our impact uh, fellows and all who, those who come through the program. We find no greater joy than to be able to invest in the lives of these young people and see them walk in the truth uh, of the Lord. And we do see them out there doing some great things. They are encouraging to us, really. Absolutely. And it's so, it's so fun. So thank you in so many ways. Thank you. But, you know, um, you know, as I kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap in a minute to share about how people can find the book and, and all those kind of things and keep up with the the work that you're doing and in, in all the different ways and you're invested, but maybe just as we kind of wrap things up, would you just kind of give just a word of encouragement to someone listening who's, okay, we've heard some of this, maybe they're, you know, just kind of, all right, I guess I need to start or I need to do this. Maybe they're considering it. So maybe just give them a word of encouragement um, to maybe take a step here. What, what would you say if you were sitting down with somebody across from them? Yeah, well, you know, I'll go back to the verse that I mentioned earlier that Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. And just that concept of walking through life and identifying what are the things that really, really matter. And I want to encourage anybody who's listening to understand that God does have a plan. He does have a purpose. He does want us to leverage our opportunity of influence. And it's never, never too, too late for you to uh, just press pause and, and, and consider uh, these questions that are so important. What really matters to me? And what values will really govern the decisions that I'm making? And how can other people actually see those in my life in such a way that I'm impacting them? So it's, it's really is this idea of getting intentional makes, um, I don't know, it makes me excited to get up every morning to think about, okay, Lord, what do you have for me today? And how can I go about my life in such a way that I'm living intentionally so that other people uh, are influenced? So um, I, I don't say the book is the answer to all, to all of it, but it is a great start to get you thinking about how do you go about just living your legacy now. I think I would tell you the most uh, simple formula of that is own your legacy, own your life now, and make the decisions that are important uh, that will actually allow your legacy to be transferred to the next generation. Love that. I love that. It's such a good word. Well, how can people connect with you um, and follow what you're doing? Find a copy of this. I'm going to include links, but how can people follow you and connect with you and the work you're doing? Yeah, great, Jonathan. Thanks for asking that. Of course, the best way to connect with me is just to go to my website, trudycappywhite.com. You'll find everything there, podcast, uh, where you can get books. Books will be sold uh, all over. It'll launch January the 17th. We hope that you'll check it out. Hope it is very uh, meaningful and, and um, um, powerful to you. It's a tool that allows you to be able to be impactful in the lives of people around you. But there's a verse in Psalm 145 that says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. And that's what we want to do uh, with this book. We want to proclaim who God is, how he created us, and how we can tell other generations about who he is. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll include a link to that. And if you're listening to this right now, and, and we'd love to come alongside you here at Impact 360 and help you reinforce those values with your kids, grandkids. So you can learn more about all those experiences we offer at impact360.org. Um, and you can learn more about how, how we might be able to come alongside you. 
You'll find links to these uh, books and other resources as well. But Trudy, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to to not only invest and write this book, which is so important, a legacy that lasts, but also just spend some time talking about it today and, and encouraging us and sharing uh, your wisdom with us. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Jonathan. What a privilege to be with you. I'm honored. Thank you. For more information about our on-campus worldview and leadership experiences for students and our accessible online courses like Explore Truth and Explore the Resurrection, visit impact360.org. Impact 360 Institute. Know. Be. Live. Live.